the Big Bets on Campus podcast. 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 All right, here we go. What's up, Degenerate Nation? Welcome to the Big Bets on Campus podcast presented by BetMGM. This is the Week Zero College Football Betting Preview. I'm Stucky and joining me, as always, co-host of now going on seven years, Colin Wilson. It's here. We are recording this three days away, soon to be two. And before you know it, we'll be off and running on another grind of a season. You excited, brother? Am I excited? Why are we the best podcast in the world? Because we move UMass lines, which I'm going to hold you directly responsible for it. Now you're showing up here, for those of you without visuals, wearing your UMass t-shirt. I'm about to run through a wall because it's the side I want to take. I can't, this is the Week Zero podcast. We get to give all these G5 teams that we have to kind of you know gloss over during the season. We get to give them full attention. So I love this podcast. I'm ready to go. I will also say it's kind of week zero to me. It's kind of like bowl season that like sometimes you just have to fire on the game, even though you don't. So, and I actually think there's bigger edges early on when there's more uncertainty. So I'll be betting most of these games on Saturday. Uh, it's been long enough. So, um, and I actually like, like really like and show edges on most of the games. So we will go through them one by one. And uh, it's good to be back. Shout out to all the listeners. You guys make the podcast. Feels good to be back. So let's start things off in Dublin, naturally. We'll start the American College Ball off in Ireland. Oh, Danny boy, the pipes, the pipes are calling From Glen to Glen and down the mountainside On 2.30, 2.30 p.m. Eastern on Saturday. Make sure you have your schedules cleared. NBC, Notre Dame. 20 and a half, 21 point favorite, depending on where you look, over Navy. Over-unders come down from 51 to 49 and a half, 49, depending on where you look. This is the 96th meeting in this historic rivalry. It's the third in Dublin, for what it's worth. Notre Dame won 54 to 27 and 96. They also rolled in 2012, but that was the Notre Dame team that went undefeated and went to the national championship game. Uh, so obviously, big big story. These two teams played last year. Navy covered. They went down big early, stormed back, and made it a game in a three-point loss. You had many different quarterbacks. You were down to a quarterback that's no longer on the Notre Dame roster. You were down to like the third and fourth string on Navy. They will have different quarterbacks. Notre Dame will obviously have Sam Hartman coming in to rejuvenate the quarterback room. And he'll work behind a very good offensive line with two really good tackles. Wide receiver room has some talent, but a lot of questions there. Navy, meanwhile, Ty Lavatai was a little more, uh, you know, a little more passing ability than most Navy quarterbacks. Mainly it's just, hey, lull the defense to sleep, and then we're going to take some deep shots. We'll get the start. He's the experienced guy. And then Blake Horvath, who has never played a collegiate game, will probably get some run. He is a pure like option runner. Um, and then you also have Xavier Arline, who they're trying to work in at like the slot and other places. He was playing the cross, got banged up. You might see him too. You have a new head coach and Brian Newberry from the staff and a new offensive coordinator, Grant Chestnut, who comes over from Kennesaw State. Not the same exact offense, but option principles. You might see some a few wrinkles, you know, some trick plays, some more... T- Different formations, maybe Erline in the slot, like you'll maybe see reverse passes, things like that. So it'll be interesting to see what the Navy offense looks like. The defense does return nine starters. I really like the hire of secondary coach Eric Lewis, who has really improved secondaries wherever he's been, most recently at Bowling Green. So before we get into 
some of the nuts and bolts of this matchup. Colin, what do you see here? Sam Hartman has torn apart. We watched him tear apart a service academy secondary. And this Navy secondary, really bad last year. You also have to worry about Navy being a little undersized on the defensive line. But they shoot gaps, and they'll try to create chaos that way. And they, they tend to hold their own. And their run defense was fantastic last year. Is Notre Dame going to come out here and try to pound them with their size and offensive line? Are they going to try to throw with the secondary? What do you think the Notre Dame approaches here? And how do you think this game plays out? Could be a little cloudy and maybe some rain, but it might looks like it might taper off by night when this game kicks at 7.30 Eastern in Dublin time. What do you see here? Yeah, teams aren't fast enough for us to handicap what the turf is going to be over in Dublin, but there's a lot of change on both sides of the ball. Gerard Parker gets promoted from tight end coach to offensive coordinator after Tommy Rees left. Parker's never been given this opportunity to be an offensive coordinator. He was going to join Cincinnati staff with Luke Fickle before he got a DUI in 2017. He had to resign from his position, so it's sort of a... Sort of a big thing. It is a big day for, for, for Parker, for Notre Dame's offensive coordinator. And the reason that he got the job right on the street is that he had the best chemistry with Sam Hartman when Sam Hartman got to campus. So we'll see if that translates onto the field. I don't expect anything. I mean, Hartman can throw it down the field. He can torch this secondary. But at the same time, who returns? Jaden Thomas. He had 25 catches last year. Uh, both are freshmen, Jaden Greathouse, uh, Rico Flores, both have drawn praise from the coaching staff, but I mean, there's no experience there whatsoever. Use yeah, Michael Mayer, Mayer yeah. was the entire offense. A lot of change over here. I expect Notre Dame to start slow. I think Hartman's going to take shots downfield, but you're doing that with some very inexperienced wide receiver unit. And I, from what I hear, his favorite targets in, in, in training camp has been freshmen. So when you flip over to the Navy side, yeah, we have a lot of change. I, I hate other places that say, well, we don't know what Navy's going to do. No, we know exactly what Navy's going to do. You mentioned Chestnut comes in from Kennesaw State. He's a Paul Johnson disciple. He played offensive tackle at Georgia Southern for Paul Johnson. It's going to be the spread option. Uh, listen, Kennesaw led the Big South in rushing and scoring the last five seasons. They had a top three rushing attack in the FCS, but they are going to throw the ball. And everybody's freaked out about this, you know, Navy's throwing the ball, but Let's break down the tape here. What they really do is they go into three wide receiver sets and then they dump off in the flats to running backs and tight ends, or they'll run bubble screens. They don't take shots downfield, like average depth of target, like two yards. So what I see is, is yes, we have a different way to run the triple. They did name Blake Horvath as quarterback one on the depth chart, but Ty Lavatai was also right beneath him. They said it's 1A, 1B. Lavatai is going to get a lot of play. They picked Horvath. Uh, as number one on the depth chart, they said that his throwing fundamentals and decision-making is what separated him from everybody else. So I'm wondering, like, when that doesn't work against Notre Dame, do you bring Ty Lavatai in to completely just run but, the triple? Yeah, but, but Lavatai is going to start the game. Like, he's going to start the first series because Newberry said that Horvath, you know, would be tough, a tough thing for him to, you know, come into his first collegiate experience and first collegiate yeah. game starting off. So, yeah, you might see him, like, in the, on the second drive. But Lavatai's going to actually start the first drive. We saw a massive shift. We're recording this on Wednesday. We saw a massive shift in the total today. Uh, I think for some 50 and a halves are out there. And now they all got blown away to about 48 and a half, 48 being a very big key number in totals. Notre Dame's going to run a lot. Navy's still going to burn a whole ton of clock. I love Navy's rush defense here. They didn't really lose anybody out of the front seven. So I expect periods of inactivity on the scoreboard here. And with that total stuck going down, 49, 48, and that point spread continuing to sit on 20 and a half, 21 out there if you can find it. I love the spread. I like the Navy side. I already laid money on it a couple months ago. This total keeps going down. I mean, look at Notre Dame last year. Last November, they only rushed for 66 yards against Navy. I mean, that was last November, one of the last games of the year, so I don't see a huge change in how this defense prepares under Newberry for this offense. And the last thing I'll say about this game, is I'm reminded of three years ago going into the pandemic. There was this big talk about Navy not being physical. They were out there tackling tires. They weren't tackling each other. They were tackling tires. I don't know, tackling the grass. No physicality in practice whatsoever. Brian Newberry takes over, and some of the first things he's saying is, we must be physical. We must be physical. We're going to beat the crap out of each other during the summer. So that's fine. But then I go and read Marcus Freeman. And Marcus Freeman said... We've done everything we can in 20 practices during training camp to stay as healthy as possible. We have, we're down 79% in dehydrations. We have half the concussions we had a year ago. And I'm not saying this is, you can't put this in a spreadsheet. I can't mathematically do this, 
But these teams that really take it easy on physicality and in, in, in their training camp can sometimes come out and take a couple punches in the face before they really turn it around in the middle of the game. So I think Navy has a chance to actually start off a little hot here. We saw that with Navy a couple years ago, and they just got destroyed. BYU. In 55 BYU. Yeah, there, there, a couple other interesting nuggets for this game. You know, I was kind of looking back at, you know, the preparation for Notre Dame is interesting because, you know, you get they spent two full weeks, and it's it's nice when you get the extra time to prepare for the triple option. Now, there's going to be some new wrinkles that Kennesaw State offensive coordinator Grant Chestnut brings in. So it's not just, hey, we're preparing for the straight option. Freeman, when he, he was a defensive coordinator, you know, he – he gave up 42 the first time he saw a triple option, then zero, and then 10. But last year, the game plan all went to Al Golden, who was a perfect name to be a Notre Dame defensive coordinator. And he has the game plan again this year. And, you know, I know Navy started slow, but they still scored 32 points, 260 yards rushing, five and a half a clip. So uh, the one thing that does give me pause for concern, Navy's last three openers <laughs> – Bad as you can get. They lost 14-7 to Delaware, 49-7 to Marshall, and 55-3 against BYU. They scored a total of 17 points in those three games. But this is a different offense. That Navy offense had gone stale. Yep. It's a different coaching regime, too. Yep, a change was needed. They made one. Uh, it's worth noting that Navy's not trying to throw down the field, which takes away one of the strengths of this Notre Dame defense, which is their pair of corners, which are really good. I think that the, the intangibles here... You have some, if there is some weather, some wind or some rain, doesn't look like it'll be effective, but that obviously would help Navy. So that, that can only help the Navy side. Also the traveling and the jet lag and the discipline to go over to Dublin and stay focused. You have to, I mean, it's a service academy team. You would have to favor Navy in that aspect. And plus who's better at handling jet lag and traveling than the Navy. Uh, this is an obvious play for me. If you've listened to this podcast before, it's a service academy catching over two touchdowns. There's no way I'm not playing Navy here, waiting for that flat 21, 21 minus 112. Yeah, I would still play the 20 half. See if that 21 pops. If you can get the 21 when you're listening, I don't know what will be out there. But service academy catching three touchdowns. Total's coming down to, they want to limit possessions. Clock will be going. And it's and it's Navy. They're never going to quit. Just look at last year. Like You could easily get a backdoor here. The stat I'll leave you with for the Navy side, if Navy doesn't cover, fine. It'll suck. It's the first game. But the... Taking service academies, catching over two touchdowns, I've done it for <laughs> as long as I can remember, and they treated me very well. Since 2005, service academies catching over 14 points, 42, 22, and 2 against the spread, 65.5%. That included this matchup last year. So, yeah, give me the middies. Keep this close. Uh, should be an interesting game to watch. All right, let's move on to the second game. People are like, oh, there's no good teams playing. This day was crafted for this podcast and for me specifically. Service Academy catching over two touchdowns. UMass, Minor Nation. Like, give me a break. This is a glorious day. So let's go to Minor Nation. We're talking Minor Nation. Out in the West Texas town of El Paso. Picks up. Minor Nation. Lane one at Jacksonville State. Lane one, one and a half. Over under is shot up from 51, 51 and a half up to 53 and a half, 54. This game will be played 530 Eastern on CBS Sports Network. Again, my favorite network as well. UTEP, uh, this will obviously be Jacksonville State's first game in the FBS. So you can imagine they're going to be pretty fired up. I think that's a little overrated narrative. though. That could also work against them, right? Like trying to make too many things happen and... It's definitely an aggressive team. It's a Rich Rod. It's Rich Rodriguez. If you weren't familiar, is the head coach at Jacksonville State. It's the Rich Rod offense. First coach ever to use the uh, pure zone read with a quarterback. By the way, head of the curve there. Simple offensive line reads, and then just kind of test the perimeter of defenses. A lot of slants and fast pace. A lot of pace as well for a Rich Rod offense. Last year, you had a six-year quarterback, Zion Webb. Can't really throw the ball. I think you only had. 10 touchdowns, 8 interceptions, but he can run it. They had a really good back who will not be playing. Uh, he's not on the depth chart in Anwar Lewis. Right. Anwar Lewis is not on the depth chart. They said his injury was too much for him to play. 
now today it's tweeted out there's a chance that he might be healthy before the game. That it's such okay. a big piece. Yeah, he's he was big. He averaged like seven yards per carry last year. They have two guys listed on the depth chart at quarterback, even though Zion Webb got cleared. He received a waiver for his seventh year, but it's he will start. But Logan Smothers, I had money on Logan Smothers once at Nebraska. He came like into the game or I remember at one point I had money on Logan Smothers. But the Nebraska transfer is also a quarterback who will see some packages here. The way that I look at this game, you know, if if you're wondering, it's hard it's hard to gauge these F, FCS teams when they're they're making the jump. We saw Jam, you have a ton of success last year. And when I look back historically, some teams have a ton of success. Some teams, you know, go winless. And it's not a huge sample size, and the results are all over the map. If you're wondering, last year they lost 54-17 to at Tulsa. The year before, they lost 31 to nothing UAB, but they did win at Florida State. I think I'm going to bet minor nation here. I'm worried that their special teams are going to cost them the game, which is – I just have this feeling. But they lost a really good kicker. But I show a little value in this line. The Jacksonville State defense is horrific. I mean, they gave up like 400 yards per game FCS level last year. They are very undersized. Specifically, they are undersized on the defensive line. That is my biggest concern here because UTEP's biggest strength is their offensive line. It is massive, massive offensive line. They're going to lean on their ground game, and they should be able to just run at will. And that's the UTEP offense. And UTEP offense is basically, they have Gavin Hardison back at quarterback. They also got... Tyron Smith, their leading receiver, who went to Texas A&M, transferred, and then came back, and he's on the depth chart. He's their best receiver. Huge addition. Yep. But their offense is hard. Like, just run, 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 pound you with a really, really good offensive line and really big. And then Hardison, who's not an efficient, accurate passer, but he'll just take deep shots, right? Like, it's just all explosiveness. And this Jacksonville State defense is very aggressive. Like, they try to get, like, just havoc plays, and then they kind of play at the offense. And then, um, otherwise, they're just going to give up points. Well, they're going to get like burnt here, and then they're not going to be able to, they're not going to be able to defend the run. And I just think UTEP's going to defend the trenches. UTEP's run defense is the strength of their team. Their secondary does have more experience coming back, but that's Jacksonville State wants to to run the ball. They also want to go really fast. So I think that just UTEP will get a couple more stops here. They'll be able to more consistently move the ball because of their advantage in the trenches. So yeah, and the, the other good thing is if. UTEP doesn't cover. We can blame Minor Nation for losing to an FCS team, and he has to call into the voicemail. This is Jason, and I just want to tell you guys that Minor Mother Effin Nation just covered. Doesn't matter that we didn't score. We cover spread. I hope you guys eat a bag of sh- the size of the distance from Lexington to El Paso, baby. Boom. By the way, reminder on the voicemails, we'll be starting them back up. So just call in whenever you can. I will tweet the number all the time, but it's 959-BAD-BEAT, 959-BAD-BEAT. If you're new to the show, you call in. We have callers who call in. They can bitch, complain, yell, scream, praise us if you want, but usually it's negative or just funny, drunk ramblings. And then we play a recap on the Monday episode. It's a lot of fun um, and very cathartic and you can hear other people bitch about losing money on the same games that you did. But yeah, Minor Nation, one of our favorite callers. Hope to hear from him after this weekend. I'm riding. I'm riding my, my, Minor Nation. The line's sitting at one. I'm going to see where it goes. Maybe Jacksonville State takes some money. I don't know where the market's going to go on this because people could have very differing opinions on Jacksonville State. What do you see here? Well, the first thing I had to do was check to see if Jacksonville was in the Eastern or Central time zone. As we know, UTEP failed to record a win, I believe, in 27 straight Eastern time zone games until they went to Club Lit last year and beat Charlotte. So uh, sadly enough, Jacksonville State is in the Central time zone. So it did not apply, but keep your yeah, keep that in your thoughts as well. UTEP goes on their road schedule. So yeah, you're right. Gavin Hardis is coming back for a fifth year. He gets three sixth-year seniors in front of him on the offensive line. So I don't really see a lot of problems coming out of this UTEP offense from running the ball, although we'll, you know, we'll see who the bell cow is going to be. But Tyron Smith, 122 catches a year ago, tried to transfer to Texas A&M. His credits did not apply, so he withdrew his transfer portal and stayed at UTEP. That's a monster. I think Huge. the best wide receiver in Conference USA by far. So, and the reason why Gavin Hardison has like such a huge uh, average depth of target, he's a great deep ball thrower. That's because UTEP is generally like third and 12, third and 15. Like they're almost always behind the chains. That really has to increase how, how much he throws, but he's a pretty accurate downfield passer. 
very explosive and he gets Smith back. So I don't see a lot of issues there, especially against a Jacksonville state uh, secondary. That's got some new faces in there. When you switch over to the other side, man, I love this game. Uh, I love seeing Rich Rod go. I was really excited to think that Anwar Lewis was going to be playing in this game. He's dealing with an injury. He was not on the published depth chart. Uh, It was announced, I believe today, today, Wednesday, this morning, he could see some playing time if he's healthy. I think that that is why we saw a bump in the total, uh, 53 in some places, up to 54 and a half, 55 being the biggest key in all of college football. So keep your eyes on that. But the, I mean, these two offenses are complete contrasts of each other. UTEP yeah. goes about 20 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. And Rich Rod last year in FCS play 23.1 seconds per play. They had the third lowest time of possession in all of FCS last year. So when you see Jacksonville State's offense on the field, it's not going to be there very long. Uh, you're either going to get, you know, Zion trying to bust an explosive play on the ground, or you're going to get Anwar Lewis if he's healthy out there. They did get ULM transfer. Uh, uh, probably, you know, Rich Rod digging in, getting some ULM transfers. Uh, Malik Jackson is going to be running the ball there too. Well, he hasn't really shown anything from uh, uh, yards after contact when he did get playing time at ULM, but we'll see what I he mean, can do. He averaged do. like three and a so half yards see a lot carry of, last year. Not yeah, great. Yeah. So, uh, you yeah, no, not great. We'll see what he can do here. But, you know, the team is really great uh, in total offense and FCS last year. We'll see if that applies here. They're, you know, their strong points coming into Conference USA. Their offensive line should be able to make some holes. Uh, their special teams is much better than UTEP here uh, coming into the season. So for me, when I looked at these two offenses to see what they're going against, it really screamed over. I'm playing the over here. Uh, both offenses are built in a way to expose the opposing defense. Like I said, Hardison's going to hit Tyron Smith. That is just too much for the Gamecocks secondary. Nickel uh, Colby Fuqua and Maine Black Bears transfer Austin Ambush is the only experience that the Gamecocks have in the secondary. Lots of new faces for Hardison to pick apart. Uh, you know, Jacksonville State wants to go up-tempo against a, UT- a UTEP front seven that is all JUCO. And I don't know how we handicap whether those are good players or bad players, but they're all fresh new faces for UTEP in the front seven. I think you're getting a little bit of a discount here. I'm playing the over. I'm going to be on the floor at Circa on Saturday. Join me in a booth because I'll have some coin down and I'm going to be yelling my head off. Don't cross the number of 55, biggest number in totals in all of college football. Yeah, my only concern with, you know, I mean, obviously to, we're, we're still going to see how the rule changes impact totals and the market and what the market thinks right. of it over the first week or two, which will be interesting to watch. My only concern here, and look, these two, these first two games, which I'm going to have money on in Navy and and uh, and UTEP, they're they're very. There's a lot of outcomes that uh, very high variance in both. You have an FCS team jumping up for the first time, and then obviously you have a service academy with a new offense, and you're playing in Ireland. My own. So who knows what the? I mean, UTEP does have a really a, one really good defensive end who didn't have a great year last year. Uh, Uman Willey or whatever Prince. Um, the um. My only concern with the total, because I agree with you, I think Jacksonville State's going to go super fast, is if New Mex- if UTEP has their slow grinding drives, just running it down their throat, and then they are scoring touchdowns, Jacksonville State is down, and they're going fast, but because they're down, they're like, go, it's Rich Rod, right? So they're going fast, they're going on the field, and then they're not like converting on fourth downs. So then they're turning the ball over after like a long drive on a fourth down. And then the other, the only other worry would be, and I'm just playing devil's advocate here, is like UTEP is missing field goals because they, uh, their field goal kicker could be shaky. But that could, maybe they go for it more with their offensive line advantage. We will see. From a logic standpoint, yeah, I shaved 5% of the totals off in week zero because I did all the math on the minutes that we're going to kill with the spotting the ball, but it only applies to first downs. I don't mind taking overs on teams that were really subpar FBS last year and creating first downs. If you create a ton of first downs, which like Navy we just talked about, I think they were third and first downs by rush. Like that's going to burn a lot of clock. But with teams like UTEP that rely more on explosives than having 12 play drives, then I think you might be okay getting away with an over as a rule of thumb. So, Colin, everybody at Action knows <laughs> I treat my body like a temple. That's why I'm excited about our new sponsor, Factor. 
America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit. Factor hooks you up with delicious chef-prepared ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your house. You'll save time, eat well, and stay on track with a healthy lifestyle. There are three main things we love about Factor. One, no chopping, prepping, or cleaning up. Two, you get great flavor and the nutritional quality you need to tackle challenging topics like the UMass defense. Three, Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are ready in just two minutes. So this August, run your own two-minute drill with Factor and enjoy eating well without the hassle. Just head to factormeals.com slash B-B-O-C-5-0. That's B-B-O-C-5-0. And use code B-B-O-C-5-0 to get 50% off. That's code B-B-O-C-5-0 at factormeals.com slash B-B-O-C-5-0 to get 50% off. I have some on the way. They're sending me. And I will tell you, our producer, Matt Mitchell, shout to him, raves about them. Says him and his wife have been eating for months. So that is an authentic plug, and I'll let you guys know how they are, but I'm excited to get some. All right, let's move on to the third game of the day. We had Service Academy catching more than two touchdowns. We had Minor Nation. Let's bring in UMass, baby. UMass, New Mexico State. So, yes, I'm going to be on UMass. I already put it in the app. Line's now down to plus six and a half, I think, ever. I still like it there. I project this game at minus two. I basically have these teams even, and I will tell you why. So, first of all, UMass, I think, potentially could be fairly improved. Still going to be one of the worst teams in the country, but what they have not had a quarterback. Like, a, they, they usually play like four or five quarterbacks in ages. Well, they finally have one in Pumachan, Tyson Pumachan, my first uh, hard pronunciation. I'm a Wule in Pumachan. I think you pronounce it Pumachan. It looks like Fomachan. Tyson Pumachan, who was like a top 10 recruit, was at Georgia Tech, Clemson. He has a ton of talent. Huge upgrade at UMass. Like the, just the potential for someone to just complete passes. Um, can also use his legs. They also brought in some Power 5 transfers at wide receiver. One from Arizona, one from Miami, who started for Miami in Pope. They have a much older, improved offensive line. A couple years ago, their offensive line was just like freshmen, and they were a disaster. Now a bunch of juniors, they should be a little better. So I think the offense has a lot more potential. You know, it's year two of this system on both sides of the ball. They've lost 24 straight on the road. I think they have a really good chance of winning this game and ending that streak. They played last year at UMass. New Mexico State won that game. They were one-point favorite. So now they were, you know, around a touchdown. If you, I mean, UMass home field is like nothing. Neither is New Mexico State. But there's some travel. But it's the first game of the year. That's, But that's assuming that these teams are the same. I think UMass is improved and could be really improved from just going from the worst possible offense you can have to – Hey, look, we can actually complete passes, and we have some talent at wide receiver. Our offensive line is better. In Mexico State, we know who they are. I'm not a, This offense stinks. And their defense, which I liked last year, while well, I would bet a lot of their unders, and I bet on New Mexico State a bunch, they lost a lot in their back, their back seven, specifically at safety, which is what I liked for this defense, and they lost a lot there. So I think New Mexico State takes a step back. UMass gets better, and these two teams are – on par, and I think UMass is more upside. And I think that a lot of this, and I played New Mexico State win total under as well. I think a lot of people are in the market, the market implied ratings. New Mexico State went up artificially because of what they were doing. But if you dig at the end of the year, they got to seven and six. They beat a horrendous garbage bowling green team in a bowl. And they got to a bowl. Here's how they got to a bowl. They beat Hawaii, the rebuilding Joe Kawaii we're going to get to and probably bet on soon. New Mexico. Then they beat UMass. The rebuilding joke of UMass without a quarterback. Then they beat Lamar. Then they beat the uh, Liberty Corps who quit. And then they added Valpo and beat them. Like, come on. New Mexico, UMass, Lamar, a Liberty Corps, and then you add Valpo. That was their wins. Like, they had everything go right at the end of the year. Diego Pavia, he has to improve a little bit. He's still not a good quarterback. This is still not a good offense. I love UMass here. <laughs> Minute men football. 
outright. Trash, trash pick of the week, by the way, our first of the year. I'm the trash man. Just throw me in the trash. You're garbage, and you know it. Totally unreliable. Is that it? Undependable. Is that it? That's it. You've been told off. How do you like that? Good. Yeah, you're wearing the T-shirt. I mean, who's how is New Mexico State favored by six and a half or seven over anybody? But no, I think you're right. Uh, UMass is definitely on the rebound. Uh, a lot of good stuff going on here. They lost uh, their left tackle, Max Long, when he transferred to Indiana. But all the other offensive line spots are solid and secure from last year. You mentioned Tyson Fomachon from uh, you know Clemson Highly Blue Chip Puma, 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 Fomachon, Fomachon. And, you know, what's going to happen is UMass is going to be aggressive running between the tackles. Uh, Carlos Davis was a good running back at Western Carolina. He transfers in to take some of the duties there. And Jerry Kill was talking this week about how he does not enjoy going against UMass uh, because what they did on defense last year, they actually finished top 50 in success rate and finishing drives. Like this massive upgrade that UMass had on defense last year. And Jerry Kill mentioned it. He said – they're going to put eight in the box, and they always have good corners, and they're going to challenge us to throw outside. And, I, I mean, that's what they have this year. Jordan Mahoney had six PBUs, three INTs last year for the Minutemen. He's back. So, you know, UMass is going to cause a lot of problems. And Diego Pavia, if you look at his numbers, they look okay. He had a two-to-one ratio in TDs and big-time throws over turnover-worthy plays and interceptions. So the numbers are there and say that he's okay. He had 500 yards on the ground. Pretty even split between scramble and design. But once you get past him, there's just there's not a lot here. They were 121st in offensive success rate. They were 101st in, in, in finishing drives. So if UMass can figure it out on the offensive side of the ball, which they think they finally have the talent to kind of figure it out, then they can win this game outright. So I, I don't know if I'm worried about The humidity is going to actually be pretty low. I know it's going to be 94 degrees in Las Cruces, and Amherst is rolling at about mid-70s. But the humidity is actually going to be pretty low on Saturday, so I'm not really worried about the heat. Uh, but I would be worried if I'm New Mexico State and I'm trying to cover that inside zone that UMass is going to run, and, and plus the corners. Jerry Kill's right. The corners are a problem. Eight in the box, always trying to create havoc on defense. Um, I agree. I like UMass. I think the under is probably going to hit. Not sure if I'm going to play it. Uh, if I make any kind of round-robin parlay, I'll definitely have a UMass Moneyline ticket in there. Look, Diego Pavia, you look at his numbers. Diego, Diego. On the surface, he had 13 touchdowns, 6 interceptions. Let's take a closer look. By the way, this is a guy that went 6 of 19 for 50 yards against Wisconsin, 6 of 17 for 70 yards against Missouri. Valparaiso, he had 4 touchdowns, no picks, and 330 yards. Lamar, he had two touchdowns, no interceptions, you know, 150 yards. UMass, he had 200 yards, two touchdowns. So Valpo, and then the Corpse of Liberty, who didn't get off the bus, he had three touchdowns, no interceptions. So it gets Valpo, Liberty, Lamar, and UMass. He had 11 touchdowns and no interceptions. And the, all the other games, he had two touchdowns and six interceptions. Like, he benefited from just four corpses or FCS teams. That's it. This offense is terrible. Uh, I'm excited for UMass to burn me on opening day, but we're going to do it. And yeah, the defense did improve last year. And guess what? If the defense improves, if the offense improves, that's going to help the defense even more. The defense improved with having to be on the field the entire game and then just breaking down at the end, which is what happened in the New Mexico State game. I think they were up or tied at the half because UMass couldn't sustain any drives. The defense was on the field all day. So now I think the offense will be better. That'll help the defense. Let's go, Minutemen. All right. So we started with, I got a Navy. UMass and UTEP ticket so far. Let's move on to the fourth game of the day. Ohio-San Diego State, also at 7 Eastern. Ohio, you know, San Diego State, two, two and a half point favorite. This number's come down. It was up above three. Total sitting around 48 and a half. Our quarterback, the Maple Missile, Mr. Rourke, was announced that he's going to start. Move safeties. All safeties off. He tore his ACL last year but he's ready to go. So Ohio took money as a result. And I think a lot of people are, are betting Ohio here. This game 7 Eastern on FS1. I'm curious. Let me get your thoughts first here. Are you just going to tell us to bet the San Diego State over? Aztec overs. <laughs> well, you know I'm betting the over. I'm just waiting for oh the best God, number. This is the most classic week zero episode ever. We got all my teams, the San Diego State over. Yeah. 
Yeah, we're not we're not changing any form here. No, I, I do like the over. I don't like the number. I'd rather have forty eight. I do see a couple books that have they're got forty eight and a half out there. So I, I'm willing to be patient here. I'm willing to see if this trickles down. Uh, I'm wondering if people just see the name San Diego State and pile in on the under, and that'll give me a better number. But you know, there's there's a lot to like here from the offenses on both sides. I mean, this is the best quarterback, running back, wide receiver trio in the MAC between Curtis Rourke, Sam Wiggles uh, on the outside, and then Sia Bangara, uh, one of the just an absolute Tuesday, Wednesday night banger for us in MAC football. He's a thousand yard running back. When I talked to Brady Hoke at Mountain West Conference Media Days, cash, cash tickets, the tickets. He was worried about the trench on both sides of the ball. That tells me that Bangura is going to be able to run wild here. So I don't know what Rourke and Wiggles is going to do against the secondary of San Diego State, but I think the running lanes are going to be open all day here for Ohio to, to do that. You know, and if there is an issue with Ohio, it's their secondary. This secondary might be the worst in the MAC. Uh, defensive coordinator Spence Nowitzki, he has a nickel scheme. But it's just, it's not paying off. They did finish top 35 in Havoc, but the problem is they were 126th in tackling. They were 113th in coverage. It's not good. And if you're going to face a quarterback that's going to try to sling it down the field, that can be a problem. Oh, let's talk about Jalen Maiden, who completely redeemed himself. He stunk in the spring game. He stunk in the first scrimmage, comes out in the second scrimmage, tosses two two TDs in the first two drives, uh, completes a 48-yard pass down the middle of the field. That is uh, to start the game, that was his very first pass. Is forty eight yards down the field. I don't know if that says something about San Diego State's secondary, but what I do know is that Ohio has two new safeties. That's going to be an issue. And now Brady Hoke emphasized the fact that you know Jalen Maiden came in last year with a playbook that wasn't his, a coordinator that was in flux. I mean, they're firing, hiring guys now. Ryan Lindley is in tow, and they've completely tailored the playbook around the skills of Maiden. And I think that's a good thing because all I can hear is we want him to tuck and run. We want him to run as many times as possible. That's going to open up things downfield whenever he gets behind the chains and he has to throw. So again, this is kind of what I see in one of the UTEP Jacksonville state game earlier. I like the over here because Ohio has a bunch of, has a couple of safeties that are not ready for any downfield shots. Ohio on the offensive side of the ball is going to be able to run with Sierra Bangara against this brand new San Diego State defensive line that even Brady Hoke's got worries o- about. So I'm going to take an over in this game, but it is still San Diego State. So I am going to look for the best number and wait for 48. As far as the spread goes, I mean, I think this has gone way too far. Right. What are you saying here? That on a neutral on a neutral field, this is a pick? I don't think so. Like you're taking yeah, a I, MAC team on the road out to the West. Out to the west. Come, come on, what's going on here? I like to say, I, this is, we're going to switch it up with the podcast. I'm fading my beloved Bob's. Yeah, I'm taking San Diego State wow. now. This is under a field goal. I make this closer to five. Here's a couple things that I like. I mean, the San Diego State offense, I think, is being undervalued. They, they When Maiden came in, and this is a guy who was playing safety, he threw in his first start more yards than San Diego State had, had thrown for a total in five games. So their offense down the stretch was so much better. Now he has a year like under his belt. And look, they want to, San Diego State still wants to run the ball. And you're going to be able to run on this Ohio team? And throw on them. They, Ohio lost their entire defensive line. Like Caesar and company, they were, they were big. And by the way, Ohio's co- starting corner, Cox, he's he's banged up. He might not play. And oh, by the way, Jacoby yep. Jones, their second best receiver, he's also banged up. That'd be important because I really like one of the San Diego State's corners. San Diego State's pass defense fell off last year, but they returned six of seven. Yes, the front. They lost a ton. They lost really good players. They lost their whole D-line and two really good linebackers. Hoke, you said, is worried about it. But if there is one thing that San Diego State, who's had a top 20 defense for since fucking the Ice Age, they always figure out the run defense, and they always just plug in their D-line and linebackers. And last year, their pasty took a big step back. But I think that, you know, a six or seven back, that defensive pedigree, they're going to be really improved. Yeah, so I think they'll be able to move the ball on this team. We also, look, with Jones potentially bent up, we don't know how healthy Rourke is, how hesitant he's going to be. And also, the other thing, Ohio lost a really, really good kicker in Vecos. San Diego State, which once again had a top five, a really good special teams coordinator, top five, ten special teams last year, brings back Browning, who is awesome. He's their punter and their kicker. He had a monster year. I think he was the Mountain West Conference 
special teams player of the year last year. So if it comes down to a field goal, field goals, Ohio is going to miss theirs at their MAC team with their, after losing Vacos. San Diego State has outstanding special teams across the board. So, yeah, I think that could be a difference, too, in a really close game. And now that it's under a field goal, it is still San Diego State. I think that's important. I think this has come down too much. Yep. And uh, everyone I'm seeing is betting Ohio, so it makes sense. And then you have the Rourke news. So, yeah, I'm fading. We're fading the MAC here. I'm going with San Diego State under a field goal. I don't think it's going to get less than minus 130 on the money line. That's what I'm staring at right now. I mean, there is a two out there, but I'd rather just lay the money line. I would love 125, but if I got to lay minus 130, I will. But I, yeah, yeah I'm I'll with join you, you on the money line. I'm going to wait to see how low it goes. Because yeah. it's San Diego State, too, and, and the MAC team. So, like, a one point win is definitely in the cards. Like, the weird <laughs> yes. things definitely happen. Uh, San Diego State, by the way, has owned, owned the MAC historically, including last year. They have one loss. Do you know who it's to? Toledo. It was to Ohio, I think. Was yeah, 10-1-1. It? Yeah, it was to Ohio, yeah. Five years ago or something, maybe? All right, yeah. We're in, we're in agreement there. And Colin got his San Diego State over, so we could, our producer could play that clip. <laughs> um, as always, for for everyone wondering, Colin went a stretch of like 10 weeks trying to bet the San Diego State over. <laughs> and uh, it went under, and then he bet the under, and it went over. So it was a big thing. Yeah. And then we got a bunch of voicemails about it. All right, let's move on to another night game. Hawaii at Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt 17 and a half point home favorite. Over under 55 and a half. Let me take you back in time. We just talked about five years ago, I think I just mentioned. Rewind the clock. Take you back in time. Back to the future. Two thousand seventeen, Nick Rolovich is the coach of Hawaii. They were horrendous. They won three games. He says, "You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to bring back the June Jones run and shoot for 2018. 2018, week one, they play Colorado State. They're 17 point underdogs. The year before, they lost to Colorado State by a billion. They came out and they rolled outright, and then started six and one. Well, this year." Timmy Chang, who started to implement some of the run and shoot towards the end of last year, and it started to you saw some improvements in the offense, which was so bad early, is going full full on board the old June Jones run and shoot offense. And they start with Vandy, and they're catching seventeen on the road. They were at Colorado State, by the way, in that game when they were catching seventeen and rolled. Uh, you want to hear a, a throwback name in that game? KJ Carter Samuels. Was he, who did t- he threw for like five yes. touchdowns? I think they, I think the score is like sixty to forty. Hawaii won. Hawaii started six and one that year, so there's a, some precedent here for what it's worth. You start and that they started Cole McDonald, who never started before. They had a brand new quarterback and a brand new system. Now you're actually bringing back a quarterback who started to you know get some of those run and shoot principles that Chang was implementing at the end of last year. You have Braden Shager, who's back at quarterback. Didn't start for a while when the offense – he started the opener, then started for three games. He works – he's worked all offseason with Dan Morrison, who, you know, was the quarterback's coach at Hawaii under June Jones. No one knows the run and shoot as well as him or, you know, obviously, June Jones. So there's potential here for this Hawaii offense to be significantly improved right off the bat. Bandy's not going to know what hit him. Bandy rolled last year. Might be taking him lightly here. I It is timing-based. But that Colorado State game gives me like hope. They put up like a million yards with a first-time quarterback. I'm already on Hawaii next week. And by the way, teams that play a first game against teams that haven't, like teams that play week zero against teams that didn't, very successful against the spread historically. We'll talk about that next week. But I'm I think I'm going to bet Hawaii too again here, catching 17 and a half. I make this lower. I like this the run and shoot pop coming and just surprising Dandy here. Last year, Vandy was like, I mean, they took a, it, Vandy took a ton of money, I think, on game day, if I recall. But you got to remember, I think that, what was the spread? Nine it closed at? Ten? Or they got to 14. I, I thought it remember. Was, uh, yeah, it, it, it rose from like six to nine. It, it was yeah, like seven and a half on game day. And then, yeah. Yeah, it got up to like nine or 10. So now you're going, right? There's not, you're, you're switching home fields. But that Hawaii team was brand new, right? Like everyone left in the portal. They started completely over. Like they was they they were a disaster early. So they are so much improved. And how much really is Vandy improved? So like, you know, you could argue that Hawaii could be like 
a touchdown better than they were how they were playing at that point in the state of their program. So over 17 with the bows, I'm interested. Convince me. Yeah, these teams are so horrific at finishing drives. Like both of them bottom 20 nationally. I, I cannot get over how bad these teams just fall apart once they get into scoring position. And I was telling Timmy Chang, actually on the floor at Circa, interesting story for that. I told him, I, uh, you know, I said, you know, you guys are top 30 in tempo. I'm like, oh, yeah, we like to play fast. We like to be fast. I said, but you uh, went to the under nine times. And he's like thinking, he, I see it computing in his head. And I'm like, that is your finishing drives, right? Like you're not able to score. Like there's a ton of unders here, but you're one of the fastest teams in the nation. You know, I think that's something that we'll see if they can improve on. And Braden Shager is like, he just has no protection whatsoever. Seventh highest in pressures of any quarterback in FBS football last year. Uh, We'll see if they can get this turned around. Not a lot to boast home about. 63% returning on offense, 39% returning on defense. You know, and their defense was 129th in generating havoc. Yeah, who cares? They brought up some problems in the It's not going to get worse. You know, this is a very close-knit team. The way Timmy Chang coaches, it's like he's still a player. I mean, it's amazing. They've got... They always go in packs. There's always groups, and there's a real rah-rah, high-five. It's a, definitely a different atmosphere than what we get with Clark Lee, uh, Clark Lee being very formal. We know that in time, Vanderbilt football will be the best program in the country. And A.J. Swan's going to be the quarterback. He had a pretty impressive year. Uh, he's really good when he has a clean pocket. 118th why he was in pass rush last year, so they didn't generate much. And if they can't, then A.J. Swan's probably going to have some success. But – you know, I mean, the thing is, this is a very large inflated point spread. And a lot of people look at that 63 to 10 game from last year and think that that's just going to happen again. I'm not sure that it does. And one thing that I I, I think the total is way too high. It, it's blitzed past 55. It's at 55 and a half. If these teams behave I'm not like betting, they did I'm last not betting year, Hawaii under. I don't care. That's all this team did was under last year. I don't care. There's so, nothing you can say to me. I, if they, if this run and shoot comes out and, uh, has success early. No, well, I'm not betting Hawaii under to start the year. I'm not sitting there. <laughs> Does it even not, last I'm game? spending the first day uh, of college football. I'm interested in the under, but the big problem for me is Vanderbilt was almost dead last in the nation last year in allowing pass explosives. That doesn't look like it's going to get any better this year. They only returned 48% on defense. I'm shocked that Clark Lee, who is a disciple of Mike Elko, I mean, and and was a big piece of Notre, a big part of Notre Dame going to the playoff a few years ago. That their defense fell to bottom ten in tackling and coverage because tackling and coverage is all coach based, technique based, uh, practice. You know, and, and how does a Clark Lee defense fall that far? Confuses me a little bit. So I'm very interested in the Hawaii side. I'm going to join you there. Maybe you'll steam a little bit more. I don't see it coming back across seventeen. And I just, yeah, I think you're right. I can't play the under when Vanderbilt's been so bad against pass explosives. So there we go. I mean, you, boy, you and I are rummaging. If only Charlotte played this weekend. Yep. Uh, yeah, we're going to be on Hawaii. It's week zero. You better be on it with me. You can fire. It's, there's only seven <laughs> games. Uh, and Colin, also, a very quick note to our listeners. Week zero means college football is about to make its first impression. And whether you're a football team or a football fan, we all want to make good first impressions. For me, that means taking care of my skin, which I'm doing with the help of our sponsor, Caldera Lab. Caldera Lab is a skincare routine you can do right before you brush your teeth, just a minute in the morning, a minute in the evening. Easy. The Caldera Lab regimen consists of just three products, the clean slate, the base layer, and the good. The clean slate is the face wash, the base layer is the moisturizer, and the good is a night serum to reduce visible wrinkles so you don't turn into an old catcher's mitt. Since we love talking about stats and rankings here, Caldera Lab clinical trials found 94% of men's skin showed an overall younger-looking appearance after using their products for just a few weeks. Just one minute in the morning and night to reduce signs of aging caused by the weather, the sun, and your bets going to overtime. Today, our audience gets an exclusive offer, their best offer anywhere. Use code BBOC at calderalab.com, and you can get 20% off right now. That's 20% off with code BBOC at calderalab.com and make unforgettable first impressions that lead to the charming words, you look younger. 20% off at calderalab.com with code BBOC. 
Okay, before we go any further, as a reminder, Big Bets on Campus is presented by BetMGM. So get in on the action with the king of sportsbooks. Sign up with BetMGM using bonus code ACTION and get up to $1,000 paid back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. That is the bonus code ACTION. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Michigan, Mississippi, Nevada, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Puerto Rico, Tennessee, Virginia, Washington, D.C., West Virginia, Wyoming, or Ontario only. Must be 21 or older to wager. 19 or older in Ontario. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, D.C., Kansas, Louisiana, Nevada, Wyoming, or Virginia. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-GAMBLER in Indiana, Maryland, New Jersey, or West Virginia. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. Call or text the Tennessee Red Line at 1-800-889-9789 or call 1-888-777-9696 in Mississippi. In Ontario, if you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone close to you, please contact Connects Ontario at 1-866-531-2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge. Sports betting is void in Georgia, Hawaii, and Utah, and other states where prohibited. Promotional offers not available in Nevada and New York. Dear, here's one, a game I won't be on pregame, but I might look for an opportunity to bet it live or second half. That's USC, San Jose State. 8 p.m. Eastern, Pac-12 Network, USC, 31-point favorite. Uh, you know, when I look at this game, you know, Chevin Cordero is back for San Jose State, but they have a lot of really critical losses elsewhere, specifically on the defensive line, and that was like the heart of their defense yep. last year, and that's going to be tough against USC. Like, how are you going to get stops? So, you know, this has potential to get ugly early. So, and I yep. make this twenty nine and a half. So like, there's, but so I don't, I don't see value pregame either way. But here's my potential thinking: is we saw USC, but I, I don't know which way it's going to go. So I want to clarify. I want to get your thoughts on this. So USC last year, you know, they like wore down against Utah towards the end of the year. They were like they wore down against Tulane at the end of the game. So they play from week four, nine straight weeks. USC. They have a really early buy. So does part of what they want to do here in these first couple cake games is get Caleb Williams a ton of stats for his Heisman mm-hmm. early, build a lead, and then get like rest and then other guys rep. I'm sure they also want to work on some like new defensive like just a different defensive looks, some backups, some defense. And then they also probably want to get their backup quarterback some run before they go to the Big Ten next year even though Caleb Williams is saying he might come back, but you have to assume he's not. So does Lincoln Riley say, like, let's just, in these games, let's get up by 28 at the half, and then let's get our backup quarterbacks in, let's get some rest early in the year, because we got to play nine straight weeks. So does that potentially open up an opportunity to bet San Jose State second half if they're down by a million? You know, they're going against a USC defense that definitely has questions, especially depth-wise, and then Caleb Williams will be out of the game, and I'm thinking earlier than maybe the market might think. What are your thoughts there? Well, yes, absolutely. And I think there's two things that people need to know when you're going to bet on this game. Do I make it this high? No, I don't. Am I going to back San Jose State? Absolutely not. They return only 20% of their pressures on the defensive line. I'm not sure they could have busted through the USC offensive line in the first place, but they only returned 20% of their pressures last year. They are not going to get their hands. They're not going to sniff, touch, graze, be anywhere near Caleb Williams. And Caleb Williams said it twice. In Vegas at Pac-12 Media Days, he said, I realized last year that, especially when we lost to Utah in the Pac-12 championship game, that I don't have to leave the pocket. I don't have to scramble, and I don't have to get all these yards myself. I can stay in the pocket, and I can just take shots downfield. I'm thinking to myself, oh, my God, San Jose State, you're in deep shit uh, because <laughs> your secondary is in trouble. Uh, your defensive line loses all of its pressures. Uh, you know, the, all these new defensive players that you have, you're going to get USC and the Heisman winner in week one. Uh, the other thing that would bother me if you want to back San Jose State pregame is the fact that the defense actually for USC now has some talent. Mason Cobb comes in, m- middle linebacker comes in from Oklahoma State. He was one of the best linebackers 
in the Big 12. Now he's going to be patrolling the middle for USC. Alex Grinch is hearing all the whispers about how much of a terrible job that he's done. Siobhan Cordero is, uh, I don't even know if we can call him Caleb Williams light, uh, but really after you get past him as a weapon, uh, you know, they do have experienced offensive line. They do have the most experienced tight ends. I do love Brent Brennan, uh, you know, as, as a coach, but this is just way too much, especially for a USC team that has a Heisman winner that wants to put up Heisman numbers and is convinced he doesn't need to run all over the place and just take shots deep downfield, uh, Taj Washington, Mario Williams, that is scary. So I don't know what the betting deliverable here is, Stuck, because this is, you're right, this could be 35-0 by the end of the first quarter. I Maybe there's a speed bump in the first two drives. I don't know why, because it's the first two drives, and maybe all those points come in the second quarter. I, I, what number, I, maybe we leave everybody with this, what number are you playing live on San Jose State? 38? I don't right? think I want to play it live. I, I, I'll play it second half. And because I'm assuming, like, I think depending on how big, like, if if USC is up like 35 nothing or tw- 28 or more at the half, um, and then I can get San Jose State as a dog in the second, nice dog in the second half. I think that they're not like maybe 28 might be too low, maybe 31 or more. Then I think that they might they might just not play Williams in the second half. Um, and then they're going to like try some things out on defense. Um, it's it's going to depend on a lot of factors. It's going to t- depend on a feel thing, but keep an eye on the Action Network app. I'm going to be looking for San Jose. So they got to be down by a lot because I'm just thinking that if it's a certain amount, then it's not just it's not just um, it's not just not Caleb Williams. I think it's like other starters too. They're, they're going to try to get a lot of rest. They played nine straight weeks. They wore down last year. They also want to see some other bodies on this defense, try some other things. So if they're getting crushed, um, yeah, but the defensive line losses, I mean, and Hall, it's not just they lost all the pressures. Hall and Fajoko were unbelievable players. Fajoko got drafted, I think, in the third or fourth round. He's on, he's on the Cowboys now. They were really right. good defensive linemen at San Jose State. Hold on. Do they get to 50? Because, I mean, by the total in the spread, we're looking at about a 49-17 game. Does USC get to 50? They should. I'm going to say, <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll say they get – depends on how long they play Caleb Williams. I'll say they get between 48 and 55, depending on how yeah, long they play. Depends, it depends. If San Jose State gets a couple touchdowns early, then it's they could get really ugly because they got to keep everyone in. I wonder what the first-half team total is on USC because if it's 27.5 or 28, I, I, that is probably where I'll be looking if I play anything pregame on this one. All right, let's move on to the last game of the night, week zero. Florida International at Louisiana Tech. Louisiana Tech, 11-point favorites here. I'll tell you that this is a non, this is a little different speed, but I played Louisiana Tech leg 10. Ooh. I played them up to 11 and a half. So last year, FIU, they won four games. Here's who they beat. UMass, <laughs> New Mexico State, Charlotte, and Bryant by one on a miraculous comeback in, at home. In overtime. In overtime. So, and th- that team last year, and I have a lot of respect for Mike McIntyre. It was his first year. They had a running back named Lexington Joseph. It's pretty yep. good. He tore his ACL, as BJ now knows. They had, they had a really, really good wide receiver in Tyrese Chambers, who I loved, who could just go off at any time. He's gone transferred out. They lost their other top receiver too. They only have, I think, 35 to 40 starts in the offensive line returning with a new O-line coach. He lost as a defensive tackle. They lost their star running, their star linebacker to the portal. The D has a lot more experience in the offense, but I think this offense is a joke. I mean, this team is a joke. They beat a couple of clowns late in the year. We'll, we'll see if they show up with helmets this time. La Tech has revenge from that game. They've been talking about it all summer. Like some of the quotes say, yep. were like, yes, it's revenge. And yeah, obviously a lot of that's narrative, but they, they've been waiting for this game. So they got lost in overtime in embarrassing fashion. How did they lose to FIU? They started when we used to always fade them. This is Sonny Cumbie, by the way. His second year of his passing offense, I expect to improve. He started the year with McNeil and, and Downing as his quarterbacks. And they actually started the show some promise. They threw for like 400 one game. They, one of them got, they both got hurt. They were out for the year. They were down to a true freshman, your boy. Liddy, who was awful, and uh, then a, a walk-on played too. They went zero and four with those two. They lost to Charlotte, FIU, 
um, got destroyed by UAB and U- UTSA. So, like, their numbers were so deflating because they just didn't have a quarterback. So now you bring in Hank Backmeyer, say what you want about him, ton of experience, huge upgrade over what they were playing with at the end of last year. So, and he should be able to pick apart this FIU defense. They're going to be up for it. They did lose their top receiver, but you got Cyrus Allen. I don't, I, DeColdis Crawford from the Nebraska isn't on the depth chart, but they had the best names if he was. Like Cyrus, it would be Cyrus Allen, Smoke Harris, who's awesome, great returner too, and DeColdis Crawford. The running back room is a bit of a concern because it, their main guy, Crosby's out. He was their leading rusher last year. I think like third team all conference, leading leading returning rusher in the conference. He's out. Tyree Shelton, the transfer from Miami of Ohio, he's like questionable. But does it really matter against FIU? You, know, you got a bunch of you lost you lost a really good guard, but you got your center back from injury. A lot of returning starts. Like their secondary got depleted. Not a lot returning on D, but it was bad anyway. And this is FIU. They lost all their best players. I think LaTeX blitzes them. Lay it. Well, I uh, have a full preview coming out at Action Network. Everyone go check it out uh, in the Action app. Maybe yesterday morning, I bet LaTeX minus five and a half uh, in the first half. And that number, I believe, is about six everywhere else. Uh, but I would shop for that and get that number because you're right, Stuck. That's all these guys can talk about is that this game is personal after they lost in double overtime to Florida International last year. So uh, not only that, the best unit the most cohesive and best, most talented aspect of this game is Hank Bachmeyer's arm throwing to Smoke Harris and Cyrus Allen. Now, Smoke Harris probably gets a lot of attention, but Cyrus Allen, 2.13 yards per route run, he is extremely explosive. He's going to get one-on-one coverage. I don't even know if he's going to get covered by Florida International secondary, but uh, that is the most explosive. And if there's anything from Hank Bachmeyer I can remember from Boise State, he's got no problem an average depth of target. The guy can throw a mile. Maybe not the best decision-making, but then again, Boise State didn't protect him very well, and he got concussed almost every other game. So we'll see how that goes. I can't really make a case for Florida International other than the fact that I can say that Louisiana Tech's defense is horrific. 130th in tackling last season, 122nd in line yards. This team was near dead last in defending rush explosives. It's just bad up and down the board. And when you look at what they return on defense, I, I don't get – a lot of warmth that they're going to be able to improve. The warmth all comes on the offense. 70% of experience returning the offensive lines. They should be able to protect Bachmeyer. Smoke Harris and Cyrus Allen are going to go crazy. New defensive back seven from the portal on the defense. So I'm taking the first half. Big backdoor risk here. Yeah. The 11 screams backdoor. I'd stop betting this at 11. I'm going to go first half. Let Law Tech extract the demons of losing in double overtime to, to the Panthers last year and, and, and then let the rest of the game ride. Yeah. All right, Kyle, before we get out of here, uh, I do have also I'm going to run through a couple giveaways, but uh, just quickly, best bet for week zero. Uh, I'm going to say UMass. Ooh, here's your chance. Be a man. Take my hand. Understand. I don't want no man in man. I'd play this stuff six and a half. I'd play this down to six. Last year, this line, New Mexico State is a one-point favorite on the road at UMass. They ended up winning that game. I think New Mexico State overall is worse. Their profile improved by beating just yeah, teams that quit or FCS teams are really bad rebuilding teams last year. UMass, meanwhile, has the potential to be significantly better. They actually have a quarterback now. I think UMass is on the rise. I think they can end their 24-game Road losing streak and pull this off. Go UMass. Go. I'm going to go UTEP Jacksonville State over. Uh, try to get the key number below 55, which is the biggest number in totals in college football. There's a lot going on here with both of these offenses where what they do best, their identity, and how they make their money goes against the opposing defenses that they're playing against. When you look at what Rich Rod does with, with the Jacksonville State offense, extremely fast, 23 seconds per play. That's going against a UTEP front seven that is loaded with Juco players, first time for them to play. And oh, by the way, Anwar Lewis, breaking news on this Wednesday, might be recovered from his injury. And if he does, he is the best ground rusher attack on both sides of the ball here. Average 4.3 yards after contact. So if he plays, it only boosts this over. Take the over. I like it all the way up to 54 and a half. Yep. Uh, Also, public service announcement. Mentioned week zero, I have a little fun. Probably going to bet most of these games. Time to do it. But also make sure you bet responsibly. Last year, I think 
had one of my best college football seasons ever, didn't have one bad Saturday. I can promise you that won't be the case this year. If you take a look when you have a Saturday and all those bets, if you can't afford a horrific, you know, four and 13, four and 16 day, just look at your card and say, if I, if everything went wrong and I went four and 13, it's going to happen. Promise you. If you can't afford that, you're betting too much. Make sure you bet responsibly. Before we get out of here, let's do some giveaways. We love when people leave reviews, five-star reviews. This is the time that really help us out. We just do a bunch of giveaways. When you do it, it doesn't matter what you say. Just leave a five-star review. If you've already left one before, just grab a phone of your girlfriend, mom, whoever, and leave one. But uh, let's do a bunch of giveaways. Marshall M14, when you break down the lines of Eastern Michigan and Bowling Green, there's no other pod you need to listen to. Master Berte, best college football podcast out there. They have real passion, energy. Psycha Sports, back from vacation, got the notebook, feverishly taking notes. Love it. T. Schaefer. You listen to one college football podcast each week, it's this, and we'll make you money. GME Saint, this podcast has helped me become a smarter, better throughout the years. Top-notch stuff. Love to hear it. Trash, trash, trash. Picks up UTEP Minor Nation is just a review. Love that. You're in. Jace59, excellent pod. Perfect for college football. Love doing all the conferences. Much appreciated. Let's keep going. Eldon Fairbank, smart, profitable, most importantly entertaining. Peter24, I'm astounded by the knowledge. Chris Codd, can't say enough good things about this show. Sucking Colin, go deep. Funny preview after the weekend. Hatter222, Tana's the best. CU2020-2001, ready for another profitable season, Colin. It's stuck. And one last one. Josh Flamingo Pool. Joe Boo Flamingo Pool, your podcast the best. Love listening to my commute. Reach out to our producer, Matt Mitchell, or me. I'll send them to you. Hey, just email me at podcasts at actionnetwork.com to claim your prizes. Podcasts at actionnetwork.com. Thanks, guys. We'll send you some gear. We'll do some more throughout the year. So just leave a five-star review. They really help us out. As always, make sure you tell a friend, tell an enemy. Subscribe, unsubscribe, subscribe. It's good to be back. Seven games. we got to figure out a way next week and the weeks after to do 120. But it's time for us to continue to go get to work. Let's have some fun on Saturday. And let's have a profitable season. It's good to be back. Don't forget about the voicemail. Shouts, as always, to all of our sponsors, our producers, video, audio teams on the back end. And, of course, to all of you. We'll catch you all next time. Cheers. Peace out. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.